Hi, welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to podcast number 22. These podcasts all come from a series of four books I have written entitled In Defense of Christianity. The ebook, paperback, and audible can be accessed at ronaldmesser.com or on Amazon. Today's podcast is entitled Resurrection, taken from the end notes of chapter 10 of book 1, Freedom. As the caterpillar emerges from its wooden coffin to become a butterfly, This world, from the silent grave, must emerge from a mortal state to an immortal state. That is why the earth, like all living things, must first die. Scriptures inform us that at the end, the earth will burn and be renewed by fire. Without death, mortality cannot change to immortality. Through mortal birth, we left the kingdom of God in heaven to gain a mortal body of flesh, blood, and bones, and to gain experience away from the presence of God requiring us to live by faith. Death is the gateway back into eternity. The resurrection, made possible only by Christ, is our second birth, at which time we will stand before Christ, our advocate with the Father, in an immortal body, to be judged for our works on earth. It is Christ, the keeper of the gate, who will assign us our eternal home. The first death came by mortal birth in which we were separated from God for only a short time. The second death, the only death for which we need to fear, will come after the resurrection and final judgment. Only those who rejected the Savior on earth, remained unrepentant, and refused to keep His commandments will suffer the second death. As a resurrected body can never die, the second death refers to a spiritual death which means being forever barred from the presence of God. Our physical body, though mortal, dies only once and is resurrected to an immortal body. Our spiritual body, though immortal, may die twice. The first spiritual death we all suffered with the fall of Adam when we left the presence of God. The second death, which means to be cut off from the presence of God forever, is our own choice. Earth is the hinge upon which eternity swings. Earth is about life changing from a mortal state through the grave to an immortal state through the resurrection. Birth and death, which are both pre-scheduled, hold the keys to eternal progression. Death is not to be feared. Death is nothing more than a transition from one appointment of life to another, from one stage of progression to another, from one dimension to another. One of the primary purposes of coming to earth was to gain a physical body. Without a physical body, we could not have a fullness of joy. That is why the resurrection, a free gift to all mankind, is one of the greatest events in our eternal progression. Through the grace of Christ, all mankind will be resurrected. However, because of free will and agency, we are determining each day of our lives the type of resurrection we will have. Obeying temporal law improves the quality of our physical life on earth. Obeying spiritual law determines the quality of the spiritual life we have on earth, as well as in heaven for eternity. Guarding our physical health is a good thing, but guarding our spiritual health is a better thing. God frees us to choose our own way and follow our own will. Satan is a jailer. God is a deliverer. Satan is a warden without keys. Only death can release us from the mortal dimension. 
and only spiritual law can prepare us for an immortal dimension. The ancients talked of the music of the spheres, a beautiful phrase made popular by Milton that inspired poet. All spheres have a complete set of laws acting independently so that we may have our freedom. Without law, there is no freedom. Progression means to move from one sphere to another, each with a higher set of laws. Heaven is a sphere and earth is a sphere, each with its own peculiar set of laws established by God to act independently that agency may be protected. To gain knowledge is to gain understanding of law. On earth, we gain knowledge by understanding temporal law. We gain wisdom by understanding spiritual law. In the final judgment, we will be judged by the spiritual laws we chose to live. The binding chains of all temporal laws are broken at death as we are delivered into a new set of laws that govern us forever. Good and evil only have meaning because eternal laws exist. Sin is no abstraction based on a whimsical God. All evil is violation of law. All good is obedience to law. Obedience to law brings order. Disobedience to law brings disorder. God is the lawgiver. All laws come from God. To understand law is to understand God. To understand the purpose of law is to understand the purpose of God. Free will can only exist in a sphere governed by law, and all laws come from God. Freedom is inherent in every law of God. Since all resurrected beings are perfect in every feature, the distinguishing marks of the resurrection will not be physical, but will be spiritual. We will be distinguished by the amount of light and truth we have based on the laws we obeyed while living in our mortal state. It is light that defines our resurrection, not our image. Those whom you know on earth, you will recognize in heaven. The image does not change, except, of course, all resurrected beings are perfect, flawless, without any blemishes or imperfections of mind or body. Light defines our resurrection. Our physical bodies change from a mortal state to an immortal state, or as Paul says, The first man is of the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. In other words, our physical bodies become immortal, otherwise they couldn't endure heaven. Mortality means death. For clarity, Paul added, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. The Apostle Paul compares the resurrection according to the light of the stars, the light of the moon, and the light of the sun. Those who return to live with God will also shine brighter than the sun at noonday, or they would not be able to abide His presence. We will be resurrected according to the laws we obeyed. Those who do not shine like the sun cannot live in the third heaven. That means they will have a kingdom of glory, but will not live with God. Linda, the Apostle Paul tells us that without the resurrection, all preaching is vain, and all faith is vain. And furthermore, without the resurrection, everything will perish. 
Let's take our text from the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul so eloquently speaks of the resurrection. Since you are the official reader, would you begin with verses 19 through 26? Yes, I would be glad to. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. The resurrection is a testimony to the importance of the physical body. The physical body isn't an evil thing to be discarded. It is a beautiful thing created by God to house our immortal spirits. Christ died that he might be resurrected and that he might bring forth the resurrection of all mankind. Our immortal spirit, called the breath of life, was placed in our mortal bodies, creating a living soul. In other words, without the spirit, the physical body cannot have life. In the same way, without the physical body, the spirit cannot have freedom in this world. In the vast scheme of things, there will be no other experience like earth. How we use our time here has eternal consequences. Every moment here is worth a thousand years in eternity. Memory, that time-tethered slave, will be freed at death and one day will witness for or against us as we give our accountability. A living soul comprised of both spirit and body, immortal elements and mortal elements, is unique. All living things have a spirit to give it life. That means that all living things have an immortal component and a mortal component, a spirit body and a mortal body, a part that is subject to entropy, that part that dies, and a part that is not subject to entropy, that part that never dies, a physical body that is reducible and a spirit body that is irreducible. Free will requires it. In fact, here's a spiritual law. Without an immortal spirit, nothing can live on this earth. Without opposition, nothing can progress. All living things have consciousness, no matter how primitive. All living things have some form of intelligence, no matter how small, or else nothing would survive in a changing world. Science is ingenious at classifying and dividing flora and fauna, but one important principle of classification that they miss is intelligence. Intelligence separates all life forms. Everything life does cannot be attributed to genes. However, we should not confuse life, consciousness, and intelligence of man with other living forms. Nature imitates nature. Man is the only creation who imitates God. At some point, I suspect, all natural creations share some genetic traits because they share temporal laws. The greater the similarities, the more genetic traits they share. It is a necessary part of the law of creation. However, that ends with life on earth. Every living thing has a unique spirit, a unique consciousness, and a unique intelligence. Man, the highest intelligence of all, is separated from all other living things because man alone is a child of God, having a divine nature, a royal birthright, and a godly potential. Our mortal bodies will die and go back into the elements of this carrion earth to be reused in any way the laws of nature determine. 
It really doesn't matter what happens to the rod in flesh. Our poets sing of the circle of life when they really mean the circle of death. Life does not recycle. What happens to our mortal flesh after death, whether cremated or eaten by eagles, has no eternal consequence. The resurrection will not be confused. Our immortal spirits, which are the source of our intelligence and consciousness, contain all the knowledge of our life on this mortal earth and will exist forever. At death, the body goes to the earth, but the spirit of man will go to its own place. Nothing that matters will be lost, not even human relationships. In the eternal scheme of things, death is like going home to visit our parents who took their journey before us. Death frees us from our mortal flesh. As one author put it, we are safely dead. The Grim Reaper is a fairy tale to scare children. Those sad parents who lost their children to untimely death will be reunited with them, and all things will be restored by a loving Heavenly Father. While wandering in the woods of East Tennessee, I found an old abandoned cemetery, invisible from the road, only yards away. On one of the tombstones, dating over a hundred years ago, were etched the following words, Weep not, companion, and children for me, for I am waiting in glory for thee. Another tombstone read, Going home. Every mother who lost a child should be comforted by those words. There is an inherent desire in all of us to reunite with our families in an unbroken circle. Satan is attacking the family, for he knows that if he can destroy the family, he can destroy the world. All sorrow here will turn to joy there if we obey the commandments of God. Life is a fantastic journey punctuated with wonderful things, immeasurable marvels, sorrowful events, and timeless wonders. In our despair, we are so busy gluing together fragments of shattered time that we forget to enjoy the spiritual journey of open-ended immortality and grow stronger from trials. In Christian doctrine, eventually our mortal bodies will be resurrected as immortal bodies, and our new bodies will be reunited with our old spirits to form an immortal soul. If we choose the light of Christ in this dark world, in the light of his love in the next, we will be free forever, for there is no darkness there. It is what Paul meant when he said, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. All men and women without exception who are born on this earth will be resurrected, as a free gift of Jesus Christ. The Holy Bible is more about immortality than it is about mortality and should be read with immortality in mind. Perfection of the body is a free gift of all through the grace of Christ, but the light, intelligence, law, knowledge, wisdom, and power of our personal resurrections are all determined by our own choices, our own obedience to the law of creation, our own obedience to the laws of God. If we obey the commandments of God on this earth, light will increase with light until all the wonders of God are revealed to us. We are protected, perfected, and sanctified by the laws we choose to obey. I agree, but first we have to know the law. It is such a challenge to keep the commandments in this world consumed with greed, pride, and evil. I remember as a young mother feeling so challenged with the difficulties of my life. I prayed often, but needed answers and the strength to keep going. I decided to study the scriptures every day, a difficult thing for a mother with small children. I told my children that they had to take a nap every day for 30 minutes. If they didn't want to sleep, they could just rest and look at a book. 
They had to stay on their beds, and I sat in the hall where I could see every one of them. I started reading several chapters a day. When I'd finished the Bible, I found that I'd learned nothing, absolutely nothing. It had had no meaning in my life. Although frustrated, instead of quitting, I started over and read in depth. I read more slowly, pondered, and used a study guide, and fell in love with the scriptures. I found the courage to face my challenges, and I often found answers to my problems. The scriptures are a personal compass to help us live the commandments of Christ. The scriptures teach us truth, give us answers. Let's again return to the words of Paul concerning the resurrection of the dead. Would you please read 1 Corinthians 15, 40-42? There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. Paul speaks of three heavens or degrees of glory in the resurrection. He refers to the highest degree of celestial bodies and compares their glory to the glory of the sun. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul tells us that he was caught up into the third heaven. He refers to it as paradise. In a vision, as Paul traveled to Damascus, he reported, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining around about me, and them which journeyed with me. John also describes the new Jerusalem, that great city, the holy Jerusalem, having the glory of God. And her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. John also said, speaking of the new Jerusalem, that there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. It follows that only those who have the full light of Christ, in other words, those who shine like the glory of the sun, can endure the celestial kingdom. To shine like the sun, we must have a fullness of light and truth. Knowledge of law can only come through obedience to law. That is what we were sent to earth to learn. Law cannot perfect, protect, and preserve us if we do not obey the law. The light we enjoy in heaven will reflect the laws we lived on earth. God gave us law to protect our agency. The other kingdoms of glory are compared to the moon and the stars. So Paul is saying that in the resurrection, some will shine like the sun, others will shine like the moon, and others like the stars. Paul said, so also is the resurrection of the dead. Paul then confirms that it is light that distinguishes us in the resurrection. Light is often referred to as truth. So those who live with God will have greater light, greater truth, greater knowledge, and greater power, all attributes of God. Education is good. We need to study the wisdom of the ages. We cannot be saved in ignorance. I love the world of books. I even like the smell of old books. We need to study history, logic, science, medicine, math, archaeology, anthropology, and so on. University degrees are important, and the world rewards their students handsomely. But temporal knowledge, as valuable as it is, is not enough. Those who also are enrolled in the University of Life on Earth, who are dedicated to seeking God's truths, will have all laws, all science, all knowledge, all the wonders of the universe, and all the creations and power of God revealed to them in the hereafter. They will comprehend all things. 
and that which we so delighted in on earth will seem like preschool. At that moment, we will see the sum total of our lives in the light of our body. And for those who paid the price, whose light is like the sun, they will say, it was worth it. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.